0: Good day, everyone. You're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 50, Just Go With The Flow. I'm your host, Alex, and today I have the honor to have Lauren as my guest on the show. How are you doing today?
1: Great. Thank you for having me. How are you?
0: I'm great, and I'm super excited because this is episode 50, so I've reached half of 100, so I've done 50 episodes, which is amazing, and I'm excited to keep on going. And of course, I'm glad to have you for my 50th episode.
1: Thank you, and congratulations on your 50th.
0: I wouldn't have been here if it wasn't for my guests. That sounds really cheesy, but it's true. <laughs> so yeah, enough about me bragging about my 50th episode and all that. Today it's all about you. Um we're gonna talk about your hobby, but before we do that, I'm sure the listeners would love to learn a little bit more about you. So who is Lauren?
1: Okay, sure. I am Lauren. I live in Atlanta. And uh, for work, I am an art and antiques appraiser, but my fun little hobby is I get to do improv comedy with some fun people uh, a few times a week.
0: That's cool. I love improv. I've been a big fan fan ever since I was a kid, so I can't wait to dive into this conversation. But before we do that, uh, do you have any social media links you'd like to share? I do a little shout out at the beginning and at the end so people can have something to look up while listening.
1: Sure. Uh, so my Instagram handle is at Lauren Erickson, uh, Erickson without a K. And then uh, the team that I'm on is Too Many Cooks Improv on Instagram. So we post every now and then, mostly when we have shows coming up. But we're a pretty funny group of people, so it's not not too bad to follow along.
0: <laughs> well, in that case, I'm definitely going to check that out right after this episode. So yes, you, you did mention the topic of today, which is improv. So how did you actually get introduced to improv? Was it a person, a TV show, or something, a pamphlet you saw on the street?
1: Yeah. So I think, um, like a lot of people, I grew up watching Whose Line Is It Anyway?, which is uh, pretty is pretty much the most popular iteration of improv in the media. But um, when I moved to Atlanta three or four years ago, I was trying to think of something to do for my birthday. Because I had just met a few people and I was in my young 20s and I wanted to do something fun without alienating anybody or going too crazy because I had just met these people. And I found an improv theater called Village Theater, which is uh, close to where I used to live at the time. So I went to a show and the show that they were doing was a show that's loosely based as a drinking game, which was new and exciting for me. And it encouraged me to keep going back. And I went and saw different shows and I would bring all of my friends there. And then I decided, you know what, it's time to take classes there. So I started taking classes and that was about a year and a half ago now.
0: So wait, so you're saying it was a drinking game. So they were doing improv while drinking?
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's a little, yeah, it's, it's a crowd pleaser for sure. So basically They do one part of the set where they call up a person on stage, like from the audience, and they ask a bunch of questions. And then they do a montage of short scene based on the way they answered their questions and just basically loosely based on their life. And then at the end of that, they launch right into a series of games. And those are the games that cause everybody to start drinking. So the crowd picks a social drinking word. So every time that word is said, they have everybody takes a drink. Uh, at the end of each game or scene, everyone votes on who the asshole is. I hope
0: it's okay to cuss. <laughs> it absolutely is. This is your show. You can say whatever you
1: want. Oh, thank you. Okay. So yeah, um, and whatever the crowd decides makes you an asshole, they just yell asshole at you. actor, and then they get a rule applied to them the next time they're on stage. So it could be like, they can force you to do any accent that they want, or they can have you do everything in slow motion, or any variety of ridiculous rules. And it kind of devolves from there. And it's not, it's not sloppy, they're very professional, but that is certainly something that gets uh people that are about to go to the bar scene very excited for their night ahead
0: (laughs) That's pretty cool like i feel like i don't know if our my city has that if they do i would love to check that out it's a cool concept and on that note did you do you remember your first time on stage uh, like the whole emotion you went through or what you did or what was the scene
1: Sure. So, um, on the one hand, our first class, you get up on stage and it's not in front of an audience, but you start to feel what it's like on stage. And I did not grow up performing. I don't have any like musical talent or dramatic acting talent. So it was a really foreign feeling to be on a a stage and it was exciting. And then after the first eight weeks of class, you do a graduation show and it's mostly your friends and family that show up, but um, sometimes they link it with another regularly scheduled show so you'll get the audience members from there too and it was super fun and they set you up for success a lot with the beginning improv levels because they want to encourage you and it's not that serious so you want to just get up there and have fun with your friends and that's exactly what it was it was extremely fun and i think anybody that willingly signs up to do improv likes to get laughs and if you get a laugh it's very intoxicating in a way
0: you know you're absolutely right dan to go a little bit back, I love whose line is it any uh, whose line is it. Anyways, one of my favorite shows. Yeah. I have all the episodes.
1: <laughs> yes, it's incredible. I actually got to meet Colin Mockery because he comes to another local theater about four times a year, and I was a little embarrassed what? by how I reacted to meeting.
0: <laughs> what happened?
1: <laughs> I I just got like really starstruck, which was surprising because I I don't I don't consider myself a like celebrity type of person and to be fair like this is not a dig but he's not exactly a like an a-list celebrity so i was just shocked that i was like whoa it's you
0: <laughs> and i'm sure he like took it in very elegantly
1: <laughs> yeah i think he was a little surprised but it, he was very pleasant so yeah that's such an iconic show uh they did great work they continue to do great work and i'm glad it's still on
0: where do you tend to prefer to perform your improv do you like doing it on stage or maybe even at home with friends or in the streets for in front of public i don't know if that's like a street performance but where do you where's your favorite spot to do it
1: i think they all have advantages so we mostly do our practices in our team members homes and that can be fun because it's a little bit intimate and you feel like maybe even a little goofier because there's no pressure Uh, The stage is probably my all time favorite because at the theater that we perform at, it's called a black box theater. So it's literally what it sounds like. It's just blacked out. There's no props. There's no uh, scene painting or anything like that. So it gives you license to kind of do whatever you want. There's doors and windows and chairs and that's it. Of course, you have the lights on you. But that I don't know, for some reason, that gives me what I feel like is license to kind of like really do whatever I want and like, give it all because you're on a stage like no one wants to go to an improv show and see you do it halfway. So being on a stage kind of feels like the license to give everybody the show that they they paid for. Uh, But we've done street performance only once. We did like a craft fair for uh, May the 4th. So there was a Star (laughs) Wars themed um, craft fair going on. And that was actually the perfect kind of place to do a pop-up show because the people there were obviously like inclined to be around the arts and it was surprising and unusual and it had its advantages, but definitely the stage is my favorite.
0: And when you do do your improv, do you prefer doing it with familiar faces where you have like a good chemistry, or you also enjoying enjoy doing it with not necessarily strangers but new faces?
1: They that's another thing that like both sides of the coin have advantages. I will say I'm I have a preference for the people that I normally perform with because I've been with them the longest. I'm very comfortable around them, and they I know that they are smart and quick and funny, and that they are pretty much on the same page as me. That being said, if you only perform with the same people, you're not going to necessarily grow. So it's nice to be put into unusual situations with different people. Because at the end of the day, if you're doing improv, you can literally do anything you want while being safe and courteous to other people. But like, I find that when I'm with certain people, I do certain scenes because I know they work because we have a certain chemistry. But if I'm with new people, we got to figure it out. So that's exciting in its own way.
0: It's kind of like a blind date where you try to just figure out your footwork and try
1: to go through the
0: conversation. Yeah. No, you were saying that you were trying to, like your growing aspect. What is your objective as in like, what do you want to grow into? Like, I'm sure you started off one way and then you realize, okay, this is the type of improv I want to do. So what's your objective?
1: It's hard to say because i I find that the more that I try different things, I like all of it so far, which is a good problem to have. I think that so the, the two main forms of improv that people will perform or will see are long form and short form. And long form is exactly what it sounds like. It's a little bit more fleshed out scene work and a little bit more development of the characters that you choose. And short form can be games, or it can be like a montage of unrelated scenes. And they, I find that my goal at this point is just to keep both of them super fresh. I find that if I do one of them for a prolonged period of time, I might get stuck in that medium, and I don't necessarily remember the lessons I had learned because they feel like they were a while ago. But if I mix it up a little bit and do short form one show, it kind of like inspires me all over again. And like, okay, I'll do long form again. And I have a fresh perspective and vice versa.
0: So speaking about fresh... Do you, do you have a reoccurring character? Because I said you said that you do like to keep it fresh. You don't want to get stuck in one character or one scene or one environment. Do you have a reoccurring character that you somewhat slightly change? Or no, that's something you avoid.
1: I tend to avoid it mostly because I find that there's two different personalities when it comes to improv. You're either uh, primarily going to initiate and make decisions or you're primarily going to follow And I find I'm a little bit of a follower. I'm fine with making firm decisions, but sometimes I do get a little intimidated by the possibility of just stepping up and doing something. So I tend to be a follower and that means that I don't always stick with one particular character. That being said, I am frequently, for some reason, animals or objects (laughs) and I have no explanation for it other than it... I've been a stapler. I've been an emotionally supportive bee. (laughs) I have, I don't know how I end up in these positions, but it happens with unusual frequency
0: that's that's pretty cool I would, is this up on youtube like the scenes where you are an emotional supportive bee or a stapler oh,
1: no. <laughs> i wish no but that could definitely be a bit so maybe one day <laughs>
0: so those seem like very memorable scenes since you like they're stuck in your head do you have any other memorable um, moments from improv uh one
1: scene i wish we had an audience for this but this was just in class i had a classmate that uh initiated by sitting at the front of the stage all balled up. So I went out there and one of the techniques that you'll learn when it comes to successful scene work is mirroring your partner. So if you don't (laughs) know what's going on, just do what they're doing. And it ended up that we were twins in the womb. And (laughs) we we were discussing like who was going to be the favorite and being scared to leave. And then all of a sudden, I'm being delivered, and I'm going feet first, and it's a disaster. And like, because we're on the edge of the stage, that means me being delivered is getting off the stage <laughs> near the chairs where the crowd would be. And it was definitely it was a moment. <laughs> it definitely stands out. Um, but just those moments where like, you have to trust your scene partner, you're going out there and you're like, well, all I've got is the posture that you're in. So I'm just gonna do that. And it ended up being a really like vivid, but funny and unique
0: scene. I would love to see that, but uh, I, I could be wrong, but there's like some sort of unwritten rule for improv where you cannot just like kill the scene. You have to just keep going with the flow. If somebody suggests something, you have to go off of that, you, whether you branch it off to something else, but you just can't stop it dead. Do you Have you seen The Office where Michael Scott does part of an improv <laughs> club or class? Yeah. And so he... <laughs> Tends to The Office is a, an American TV show, a comedy, I think it was like from mid-2000s to 2010s. Either way, he's part of an improv club and he tends to <laughs> always pull out a gun and have everybody at gunpoint and that somewhat <laughs> kills the scene. So yeah. is there like an unwritten rule for not killing the scene?
1: Well, the um, golden rule and the thing that like I think even people that aren't familiar with improv on a formal level is like, yes, and so... The quickest way to kill a scene is just to like not agree to whatever's happening. I mean, bringing a gun to a scene (laughs) in the style of Michael Scott is a pretty big (laughs) way to kill it. Um, But yeah, the idea being like, okay, what the people in Michael Scott's class should have done, and some of them did, was go with it Mm -hmm. and justify it, figure out why it's happening. And it's not always... Easy to do. I had a classmate who bless his heart would like always make things flirty or sexual. And there gets to a point where you cannot justify it. <laughs> but you it was always a challenge. It was like, okay, you gotta get up there and you gotta just make this work and you have to react authentically. And the, those reactions kind of help you formulate a character, and it can be a bunch of happy accidents that make up a scene, but most crowds will still love it because they don't know what's coming either. So there are some golden rules. But ultimately, as long as everyone's safe and is happy to continue the scene, then it it will continue to be successful.
0: Yeah, As long as you don't say, I can't show you, but I have a gun. <laughs> Michael's <you. Scott. laughs> gone. Uh, but yes. Yeah, so how often do you do improv during the week?
1: I try to do Once a week. If we have scheduled shows, then we'll rehearse and then do the shows. So there are times where it'll be about three times a week, but that's pretty unusual. So the other thing is that our team, too many cooks, uh, we're called too many cooks because there are so many of us. There are 12 of us. And that's a lot of people to get on the same page once a week. So it's always hit or miss, but as much as possible uh, because it always kind of gives me something to look forward to. And then I leave feeling refreshed too. So it's something I try to prioritize.
0: That's good. And when you do do this during the week, what is your training routine to improve your improv? Do you do it in front of a mirror or do you practice tongue twisters or, or practice on family members?
1: Mm, That's definitely something I should do more of all of those things and a lot of experienced or uh, consistently performing improvisers do. One of the things that I try to do in between practices or classes is make mental note of things that I find interesting during the day, even if it's just something the way someone says something or uh, the way my dog is doing something Or just an odd situation or thing I find on the internet, even because the greatest thing that you can do for yourself, aside from practice and see shows, is just to like live your life and use that as source material for the next time you're on stage. Because you need to find inspiration somewhere. And the best way to do it is just from things you know or have experienced. So I've been trying to mentally work on being more present and mentally making note of
0: things. Is there one big source of inspiration that you realize that you bring back quite often in your improv? Let's say your dad is a big source or your mom, brother, sister, if you have one.
1: I have done things loosely based on my mom a lot. We, her and I have a very similar sense of humor. And <laughs> we're. I'm originally from Connecticut. So the way I grew up and the way I speak is not necessarily like the people that I perform with or perform in front of. So sometimes I'll do a little like New York accent or a little like Boston accent or like the Jewish mother archetype is one of my favorites because who doesn't (laughs) love who doesn't love like a nurturing, maybe overbearing woman figure. Stereotypes aren't necessarily the best thing to work off of, but they can be something that I find a little fun to play with because something slightly out of the ordinary personality wise translates quickly. And if people recognize it, then they're more on board with you.
0: Okay. And so you're pretty good with accents and dialects. Do you have any, uh, let's say famous celebrities you're pretty good at mimicking? (laughs)
1: Oh boy. I don't have a lot. I have a couple drinks I can do a Seth Rogen laugh. I'm not going to subject you to that. Um, and I also really enjoy doing Louis Armstrong, if I, if I can get to it. But that being said, I am so bad at performing on demand. And I get so like, you when it comes to accents and stuff like that, I think a lot of people would agree, like, if it comes to you, then you go with it. But if you force it, you end up sounding like such a weirdo. <laughs>
0: See, I like to make, like make accents too, and like try to mimic celebrities, but some are a swing and the other ones are a miss kind of thing, so but oh yeah, well, I'm sure with the game where you, there are a few drinks that go in you, then maybe it helps, right
1: oh yeah, definitely, yeah, I think just doing a little bit of this like it just makes you feel like you're a different person on stage, and you can just do whatever you want and like <laughs> That helps just to kind of because the other thing, too, is that if you don't know what you're going to initiate when you step on stage, then you're going to be so in your own head that you're going to be acting like yourself. Mm. And you can you can do a character based on yourself. There's nothing wrong with that, but you have to force yourself out of your own head at some point. And if you stand away, you don't normally or you speak away, you don't normally. It helps you pick a character that's not you
0: okay and speaking of things that help you be different are you the type of person that enjoys using props for your improv or you're not a big fan of props
1: so generally uh because we perform in a black box we don't have any props and so the only time i've performed with a prop was when we were doing a game at the craft market and we did we modified a game. There's a game called sit, stand, lean. So it's a very physical comedy game where there's three people on stage and one person at all times needs to be sitting. One person needs to be standing and one person needs to be leaning, but because we're too many cooks instead of uh, stand, I think you had to be eating. So I had an apple. Another person had a peach and another person had a banana and I was the only girl and I was like, I am not going to be the one with the banana. (laughs) (laughs) Not happening. But that quickly became very fun because the person that had the banana was like, I thought he was just going to eat it. But instead, he smeared it all over his face. And it was just such a quick way to get everybody engaged because... She, that was not what anybody expected to happen, including the people on stage. And the more you mess with people on stage, the funnier it is, because if you can make your friends laugh, then you're going to make other people laugh, too.
0: You're just getting me excited to do this. I feel like I should just do it right now. But actually, a <laughs> trick question. You said you, you work in a black box and you don't use a lot mm. of props, but do you use other actors as props?
1: Mm, yes, that's common
0: because you said you were a stapler right
1: yeah that yeah so no one was using me as a stapler but <laughs> i was assuming the shape of one which is a very common way to do like object work the other thing so like object work is exactly what it sounds like it's almost like pantomiming you doing something So that's another quick way to initiate a scene. Like if you go into onto the stage and you pretend to open a bunch of cabinets and to look for something, people immediately know what you're doing, even though there's nothing there. Mm -hmm. So that's always a fun thing to do. And it's also really hard because it's one of those things that if you pretended to make yourself a sandwich, you would go much faster and you would skip a bunch of steps than you normally do when you actually make a sandwich. So that's a challenge in and of itself. There was a time, this was a very odd situation, but we were playing a game called Dude. Well, every game has a different name regionally, but here in Atlanta, they call it Dude. And basically, you get up on stage and uh, it's after an audience member suggests something that happened to them. So they could be like, Oh, I got in my car and I got to work, but my normal parking spot was taken. So I had to park really far away and drag all of my stuff to work. Just a brief story. So the person then calls some another cast member from backstage and says dude you'll never believe what happened to me it was so crazy I can't tell you I have to show you and then they pantomime it so the person that's watching the pantomiming then gets up on stage calls someone from backstage and tells them what they think they just saw was pantomimed so they'll be like you know what really happened it's like a big game of telephone it just gets diluted and diluted so I had to uh listen to someone tell me that they went to work and watched something inappropriate and touched themselves and got caught by their boss and then they had to um, leave but they decided they were going to stay and continue and actually have a beer while they did it and then leave work this was my like second show in front of an audience and i was like you have to be kidding me i have to pantomime this to someone now it was horrifying. It was like, not at all what I expected. And the audience, of course, is like, oh my gosh, this is going to happen. Like, <laughs> she, she's going to pantomime this. And luckily, the the sweet woman I had to pantomime this to got up there and she thought I did something completely different and totally G-rated. Thank <laughs> goodness. But like that object work, I'll tell you, sometimes it's a real challenge. <laughs>
0: Man, you're just making me like want to see uh, this show right now so much more. It just sounds more <laughs> oh. fun. Um, actually, when I uh, introduce uh, "Whose Line Is It Anyway?"s to my friends, one of like the first episodes I show is with I think his name was Russell Simmons or oh, where uh, oh. they use the props, the people as props, and I die laughing every time I watch that episode.
1: Oh my gosh, are you talking about the little exercise guy? Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 that guy. Yeah. Like uh, Dr- Drew Carey just dies laughing and everybody's just participating. It's just a good time. And then that's like the one episode that brings everybody into Who's on Is Anyway when I introduced that show.
1: Oh, totally.
0: The one where uh, they're trying to sell stuff or they have a TV screen and they're trying to make the other actor figure out what's behind him.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: On that note, I'm talking too much about me liking a show. What is your favorite game on that show?
1: I mean, Scenes from a Hat is just classic. And it's almost like impressive that the audience can quickly come up with something so great that they're going to force the people on stage to do. And then the people on stage in turn turn it into something even funnier and crazier. It's just always uh, impressive to me because they do it so fast.
0: And that's what we have to look up for. So that's what, you know, in everyday life, you got to be quick on your feet. And on that note, I would imagine you bring in a lot of improv aspect into your real life. So what would you say is the best part about improv for you?
1: Oh, the best thing about improv for me is probably finding humor in mundane things. That's very fun. And I think it the way that people sell improv classes is has been true at least for me that it like builds confidence, it makes you a better listener because you have to be a better listener. It makes you a better communicator. Ultimately, I mean, if you tell someone you do improv, they're probably immediately going to assume you're going to be the funniest person in the room or that you can perform for them at the drop of a hat, which has its (laughs) downsides. It's the bar pretty high. But otherwise, I think it just makes you easier to talk to and it makes talking to other people a lot easier as well. I think it's similar to people that work in customer service for a long time or the food industry, which I never had to do. So I'm playing catch up.
0: You take whatever route route you need to take to do what you need to do, and yeah, improv is a great teacher. So, uh, what would you say was your biggest challenge when you first started improv?
1: Oh, my biggest challenge was definitely using my body more, uh, because there are so many scenes that can successfully happen where it's just two people talking, because that can be interesting, but you. I found myself quickly doing that more than I should have. And so being physical on stage, using my body, and even relying on that more than speaking has been a challenge. But it's been rewarding uh, because I'm the type of person that even in my day-to-day life will naturally fill silence with noise, if it's just me talking (laughs) or a television or music, I'm just it's always this sort of sensory thing that I have a, a need to fill silence with noise. But this is by focusing on that on stage and finding other ways to make a scene interesting that has changed the way I perform and the way I live a little bit.
0: Now, this sounds weird. I don't know if it actually exists, but if you have a Google Home or an Alexa or a Siri, is there like an <laughs> improv like game you could play with them? Because you said you like to fill in like the, the void of silence. So if you're, you're at home, would that be something you'd be interested in?
1: Wow. If it's an option, I'm going to harass my Google Home. <laughs> I guess this is over. Um, well, I don't know if this counts, but I, I don't know if you've ever experienced. Explored this with your smart home device, but you can ask your Google or Alexa to just like make animal noises. That is a quick and entertaining thing to do. <laughs> the other thing that uh, I can't take credit for this, and my fiance will be very pleased that I referenced him as being a funny person. But he, um, if he is holding something that he thinks is important, or he's petting our dog, he'll ask uh google home to play the halo theme song <laughs> uh, so that's just like little touches of whimsy that remind me of improv it's uh it's always fun i definitely need to go and play with my google home after this
0: <laughs> well i remember it was a couple years ago i was bored i was cooking broccoli and then i made a whole little series of like with a british accent like there's the broccoli or like a australian accent. i can't remember which accent it was but like sly broccoli you tried to escape me and just ended like a seven minute clip of like the broccoli ending up in the cupboard in the shower in the bed i'm like broccoli you're trying to sleep with me dirty broccoli and then i ke- <laughs> keep on taking a bite of it i'll send you the clip if i find it it's just i'll send you the email but yeah um <laughs> but to move on what is your current biggest challenge
1: Ooh, current biggest challenge is pr- Probably, well, I'm taking a class on specifically using your body. It's called Viewpoints, and it originated, so there are seven viewpoints of dance. It was like a theory that was developed, I think, in the 20th century, and another theorist converted those seven viewpoints of dance into nine viewpoints of theater, And I had my first class last week, and it was very, very exciting. And I'm excited to see what other challenges it opens up for me. But one of the ones I quickly realized is uh, the difference physically between assuming a shape and assuming a movement. And I found that movement was something that I found pretty easy to do and comfortable But as soon as I had to assume the shape of something, it felt more rigid. And so that I think is a mental block, but I think it might also be physical. I mean, you have to be limber and you have to be um, a little flexible in order to safely do these sort of like physical moves on stage. So that's something I want to work on is just like making sure my health is top notch and that I'm limbered up and that I can perform the way I want to and challenge myself a little bit more to make more rewarding scenes for myself and my scene partners.
0: Do you find it challenging sometimes to differentiate different sorry, differentiate between different uh, let's say movements, so let's say if you're trying to do air flow compared to water flow.
1: Yeah, I think things that accentuate the body or make it bigger I find are easier. But having to be a little bit more ethereal or a little bit more, what's the word I'm looking for? Like atmospheric, I guess. Like that can be challenging because on the one hand, audiences can easily ignore people on stage if they're meant to be ignored. But when you're up there, it can feel weird if you're like, okay, I'm I'm supposed to be a little more in of an environmental force and not necessarily a character force. And I don't know if that's just my interpretation of air and water coming,
0: through. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: really quickly turned into a personification of air and water, but, um,
0: It's a deep podcast.
1: <laughs> I guess so. I mean, improv is life. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess that's sort of related. I find it hard to be, a a prop or a uh environmental improviser
0: so you kind of answered this question before like you said that improv has helped you relax when you're feeling stress. but on the flip side has improv ever stressed you out uh
1: i don't think so nope the only time i felt that it was less than normally fun i guess it, it didn't meet my expectations was uh we did what's called here at least uh atlanta improv battle and it's exactly what it sounds like it's competitive improv where teams compete against each other and it's like a bracket system and at the end basically the uh the prize there's a cash prize and then there's also uh regular performance space during a festival so for some teams that's like a very high goal you know it's something very desirable so Our team divided up into two different teams because we were too big, and we did that. And I, we did great. You know, I had fun on stage, but I did realize that as soon as I mentally made it a little competitive, and there was no pressure, like no, it was not a big deal. Everybody was there to have fun. All of the teams had like really good rapport. There was no ill will or bad juju or anything. It was great. But mentally, as soon as I thought about like, oh, well, we got to get to the next round, like I had less fun. And that was my own fault. So that's something I've learned about myself. And I, I don't know, I, I'll probably continue to put myself in those conditions regardless. <laughs> but um, All in the name of having fun and performing on stage. But it was a adjustment of expectations and a mental shift to be like, okay, well, a, it doesn't always go well on stage. Sometimes things don't go your way. But also B, now there's a competitive aspect to it. And that evidently does not sit well with my personality.
0: Yeah, you seem like a very calm, composed person based off of our, our conversation. And that's a cool thing that it taught you. That, that Not everything needs to be a competition, but, if, you know, competition sometimes is good, but it's a balance. That's the idea. On that note, what else has improv taught you in life?
1: Well, I think it has made me more sensitive to the way I act and the way people react to me and the way I react to others. Because I think that we go through life with routine, and routine is important, and the brain likes routine But that means we come to expect certain conditions and expect certain things to happen. And if you get on stage and you don't know what's going to happen, it will rock your world at first. (laughs) And that's important. And I think I need a little bit of that challenge because I am a creature of habit, like most people. And this taught me that, you know, you can shake things up as much as you want. You can keep things as uh, grounded as you want. And it's all a matter of choice. And you do have a certain amount of control so to embrace that control and otherwise you know just be aware because you can always control the way you react which that's a very i mean that's a life lesson that we all learn at some point but to kind of practice it every single week is something that's helpful for me at least
0: that's good and i'm sure it makes you happy and it Mm. you can apply it to everyday life kind of situations which is always fantastic do you have any pet peeves when it comes to improv, The wh- whether it's the community, the culture, the online, social aspect, or anything around that?
1: Not particularly, no. Um, I've found that the improv community in Atlanta, at least, is very positive, very inclusive, very fun and full of all sorts of different people with different life experiences, so the community and the social media presence hasn't been an issue for me. I think that that might be different in other cities, uh, especially cities where there's more pressure or more people that have aspirations of doing the sort of thing professionally. Not that my peers don't want to. I'm sure that there are many people that I perform with or uh, perform around that have professional aspirations. but cities like Atlanta are just inherently different from places like New York and LA. And for my personality, it suits me and my goals perfectly. So it's a long-winded answer.
0: <laughs> no, 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 it's a perfect answer. It was great. On the similar side of things, are there any misconceptions about people who do improv?
1: I think one of them is that improv and stand-up are, you know, the same or the personalities of those people are the same. And I think that is something that trips people up if they take a level one class. Because like I said, if you're bold enough to want to take improv, you're probably someone that likes to get laughs. But if you want to be the star and you want to be the person that is getting all the attention, then you should be doing stand up. You shouldn't necessarily be doing improv. So, And people, not necessarily within the community, but outside of the community, if I tell someone, oh, like I do improv, they'll say things like, oh, well, you must be like so funny. Or you do you want to do stand up? Do you want to do comedy? Blah, blah, blah. And there's nothing wrong with those questions. I think they're perfectly valid. But it does speak to a misconception about the type of person that's attracted to one or the other. And I'm not opposed to stand up for the people that do it. I think it would be fun to try at some point. But it's very... Different, And I think the person that put it perfectly is Tina Fey. She says, uh, with stand-up, you win on stage by yourself and you lose on stage by yourself. But with improv, you win and lose all together, which makes it a little bit easier.
0: I like that. It's like the all for one, one for all kind of concept.
1: Absolutely. It's a lot of teamwork and a lot of lifting each other up because that makes a scene better than being focused on your own performance. So... Something that I think is misconception or um, something that other people might have to correct often. <laughs>
0: there you go. People who are listening to this. Lauren just gave the good points about misconceptions. so not all improv people do comedy and not vice versa, and they're, they can be similar but also very different.:
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> So do you want to present this hobby to the world or keep it more to yourself as a soothing thing to relax or escape from reality?
1: Oh, I love to share it. Sharing it is what is most fun for me. Uh, like sharing it with my team members, but also sharing it with audiences, like I said about stepping on stage for the first time. It turns out I'm a glutton for attention. So <laughs> I do kind of I do kind of like uh, sharing it if it means that we all get to have fun together. And improv, you know, I think introspection is important to getting better at it, but, ultimately the best thing you can do is do it with new people, do it in front of people and just kind of expand your community and grow with others. Cause like I said before, like rising waters flow all boats or whatever. I don't know, something like that. It's all good. If you share it, it's better if you share it.
0: And yeah. And you never know where it will take you in the future.
1: Certainly. Yeah. It's an exciting prospect.
0: So, do you have any word of advice? Uh, sorry, do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested in this hobby? So, let's say you had one good piece of advice you can give out. What would it be?
1: Oh, just to try it. Um, a lot of people think they can't do it, and everyone is equally qualified to do improv. And I would hate for someone to miss out on it just because they fear that they're not funny enough, or quick enough, or smart enough, or anything. Everybody is all of those things enough to do improv. And it's just a matter of doing it if you like it. So try it. And if you like it, keep doing it.
0: And I feel like we all tried it at least once in our life when we were kids, when you did something, you weren't, you did something that you weren't supposed to do. And your parents said, what happened? And you try to come up with a lie. And I feel, I feel like we all went through that, <laughs> yeah. but we we're really bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. If you had just taken an improv class, you would have thought of something really clever to say back to your parents.
0: Oh, it was it was the wind. The wind ate the cookie? Yeah, yep, it was the wind.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh
0: so you mentioned this at the beginning, but I'll ask again for now. Do you have any social media links and websites you would like to share or even anything? Yeah, really.
1: Sure. So, um like I mentioned before, anybody can feel free to follow me at Lauren Erickson on Instagram At @too many cooks improv is our improv team. And I would also, you know, if anybody happens to be in the Atlanta area, these are all pretty much Atlanta based, but um, Village Theater, villagecomedy.com, they have amazing classes. And there are other theaters in Atlanta that are fabulous. But if people are not from this area, which is highly likely, I would just recommend someone looking up their local theater or checking out websites with significant resources like Second City, which is based in chicago and toronto or um ucb which is in new york and those are the the little plugs i think are most important as they relate to this particular hobby
0: (laughs) no it's perfect and i'll put all that in the the, sorry i'll put all that in the description below so people can follow it and even if you're not from that city you're going to go visit that city by all means go check out these improv shows and you'll learn something something new you might even meet lauren Yeah. If you're like, I heard you on the podcast. She's like, no, no, that's not me. (laughs) (laughs) But no, of course it is her. I've only had one person about improv and so far Lauren's been fantastic. And if you've listened to some of my episodes, uh, the last question is kind of like an improv question where I don't know the answer, but I asked the question, do you have any questions for me about improv? Mm
1: oh yes well okay so i know that you watch the show who's line and i know that you play improv games with your friends so i mean do you have formal experience or would you pursue improv classes
0: um well formal experience i do a lot of public speaking i guess well not not do but i used to be a tour guide Mm. and uh, i had to like figure out how to answer things and i work in insurance so i speak to clients all day trying to figure out answers Mm -hmm. but uh i think where my improv somewhat comes out is was back in university or high school when i had school presentations i sucked at preparing ahead of time like a speech
1: Uh (laughs) i would
0: just like get the key points and then i would just go to town just improv like just improvise everything i remember in university we had a professor who would like to walk around like the desk and like smacked the desk while he talked. So I'm like, like, okay. And then when I started doing my presentation, I started doing that too. I'm like walking around like, this is how we do it. And he was like very amazed. And at one point I started drawing circles on the chalkboard, talking about cats and dogs. And it was something to do with international development, but I started talking about cats and dogs and like pointing arrows. And I was very enthusiastic. And at the end, every single time at the end, I completely blank and like, all right. What did I just say? Like, I finished the presentation, but I completely forget what I talked about. But people are like, yeah, that was a good presentation. I'm like, oh, good. Please tell me what happened so I know what's going on.
1: <laughs> you black out when you improvise.
0: <laughs> yeah, I absolutely black out. I like I go into this space, I get nervous and then boom, everything shuts down and my body goes into autopilot.
1: Wow. It sounds like you have a natural talent for it. So you should consider it more, <laughs> more seriously. That's fantastic.
0: So yeah, if we ever do meet, I would like to like go at it with you with a little improv session, just see where the conversation takes us. And yeah, maybe we can just, Absolutely. do it Just yeah, it'd be great. Uh, so yeah, there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you so much, Lauren, for coming on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was super fun.
0: Yeah, and if you have any other hobbies, you're more than welcome to come back and talk about those as well. Uh, If you'd like to look up Lauren, you can find her on Instagram and the other websites I'll put down in the descriptions below. If you want to learn more about me, you can just listen to all my podcasts. I'm sure I've said enough that you know my whole life's history since I was born. If you'd like to be on the show or have any questions at all, you can send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And of course, if you think this episode's going to be helpful for anybody, by all means, share it with them because improv can be a solution to a bad day. You can just go in to do improv and then your day gets a lot better. So yeah, once again, thank you so much, Lauren. And uh, until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care.
1: Bye-bye. <laughs>